All right, come on. How y'all doing in this 10 a.m. service? You feeling good? Come on, True Life. Awesome. More and more of you every weekend and so excited to see you here. My name is Michael. I'm the lead pastor. If it's your very first time, we're glad that you're spending the morning with us. Also want to say hello again to those watching on the other side of those cameras, watching from home or on their phones or wherever you are or listening in. This morning, we're glad that you're spending time in church with us. Would you all help me welcome first time guests and our live stream audience? We're glad that you're here. Come on, y'all do better than that. Awesome. I'm excited to wrap up our What's Next series today, our final weekend in this series. And I'm very excited for what's coming next. Uh, next weekend, we are launching a series that was originally planned for 2020, and COVID messed it up. All right. So we had to pivot, and we went into a series called Peace in the Storm. Actually, it felt like a never ending series because it felt like a never ending storm. Come on, y'all. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And so um, we had a, a series plan that we'll use this year called Running with the Giants. We've done this before in our church where we take uh, well-known characters from the Bible. Each week we look at a different character and talk about the theme story message of their life and how that applies to our lives. So that'll kick off next weekend. On Mother's Day, we'll look at one of the strong uh, ladies, one of the strong women in the scriptures and uh, dedicate babies. It's going to be a, a, a great, great Weekend. I want to encourage you, if you haven't yet, to check out this book that goes with the series we're in right now, written by Pastor Chris Hodges, called What's Next. It's available at our info desk for $10. We don't make any money on the resources here. We just want to resource you. And if that $10 would keep you from having the book, just go take it. You can have it. We want you to have the resource. We don't really care about the money, but it's been a, uh, a great series that we've been in together, and, and I don't want you to miss out on the opportunity to have this because I think it will help some of you figure out what does God want me to do next. We are all on a spiritual journey. We all need to have clarity on the next step in our journey, so I want you to take advantage of that, and um, I'd love to just hook somebody up with this copy here this morning. Anybody interested in having a copy of the What's Next book for free? Come on, anybody? Come on right here. Come on. Is that, I can't tell who that is. These lights are so bright. Um, I think that's Dan. Is that Dan? What's up, man? I used to throw these off the stage, but one time I hit a lady in the face, so um, I don't do that anymore. And uh, she still comes to church, thankfully. So uh, <laughs> welcome to church. Wham! All right, so um, hey, uh, parents, give me your eyeballs for just a second. All right, all parents, look at me for just a second. Um, this service is getting pretty full, this 10 a.m. We have opened up Kids Life in our 11.30 a.m., and not a ton of you have taken advantage of that yet, I just want to ask you to prayerfully consider making that 1130 service your service of choice any weekend that you possibly can. And by doing so, what you'll be doing is making room in this service for guests to come hear about Jesus. The 10 a.m. service in churches, for whatever reason, the 10 a.m. hour is statistically proven to attract the highest percentage of first-time guests to church services. I don't know why that is, but it's a fact all across the United States of America. And so we will continue to have people who are kicking the tires and going, man, is this the church for me? Check out this service. They're outliers, but most of the time it's going to happen in this service. And so if that service is an option for you, please use it. If you don't have kids, then please consider our 8.30 or our 11.30. There are, there is, they're both growing, but there's still a lot more seating to choose from until we can get rid of these uh, rows that are closed, um, until our capacity cap is 
is lifted, and um, we, we look forward to that. Hopefully, it's coming really, really, really soon, like it is in some other areas of the country. No pressure, government people. I'm just saying you're one of the last ones. All right, so um, ho- hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that happens soon, and, and we can get uh, back to normal as fast as possible. I know a lot of you have a lot of opinions about those. I have an email address for your opinions. It's called notcaringtoday at truelife.church. All right, so... Um, just, that's a joke. I'm kidding. Some of you are offended now, and just don't be. It was, a, it was a joke. All right, parents, not done with you. If you're the parent of a teenager, sixth grade to 12th grade, I want to invite you to get your students involved in an event that we are taking students to this fall. I normally don't talk about stuff like this from the platform because it's not for the whole church, but I think it's too important to pass up. Uh, we had planned to do this last year and had to pivot because of COVID, so we held a virtual event where we live streamed, but I want to ask you, moms and dads of teenagers, parents, guardians, grandparents, aunts, uncles, to prayerfully consider sending your teenagers with us to Motion Student Conference July 28th to August 1st. You can find the cost and all the details at truelife.church forward slash motion. Your teenagers, your students will be hanging out with thousands of kids their age from all over the country. They'll be packed in, not packed because of the, whatever the rules are right now, but they'll all be in an arena together and worshiping and experiencing God's presence, getting clarity about how to put their faith in motion. That's the whole point of the conference. And I'm just telling you as somebody who grew up in church, some of the most defining moments in my faith as a young person happened when I got away from home, got away from my family, piled into a church van or a church bus with a bunch of friends, come on, got away from my parents for a little bit, come on teenagers, I'm trying to help you out, where you at? And, um, and, just, and just went and got with Jesus and gave him space to speak into my life. It's a big investment, and I know even like sending your kids away can be nerve-wracking, but I want you to just think about this for a second, and I don't mean to frame it as a guilt trip, that's not what it is, but I had this thought this week as I was taking my own kids to some of the different activities where it's, it's baseball and softball season in our family, and so we're out at the ball fields multiple times a week. There's a significant financial investment that goes with that. Uh, some of us will spend lots of money um, this summer on things to help support our kids academically. We'll send them to sports camps and uh, all kinds of different activities and Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, all these, all these things that I think are good, right? I just want to be clear, none of those are bad. But I want to ask you a question. Why would you make such significant investment in every other area of your student's life and not make a significant investment in making sure that when they leave your house, they have a solid, firm, independent relationship with Jesus that they don't need you for? All right, so I'm just asking you to, I, I think it's that important to get your kids, get your students in environments where their walk with Jesus comes to life on its own, where it can grow and become something vibrant. And the thing your kids need more than anything is not you pressuring them into what to do next in their life. They need clarity from God about what his calling and purpose is for their life and to learn how to be obedient to him. Say amen if you're with me this morning. All right, so if you, wanna, if you wanna win as a mom and dad, as a parent or a guardian, get your kids into environments where they can hear from God. Get them to student group tonight here at True Life. That group has been growing even during the pandemic and so fun for me to pull into the back parking lot and see them out shooting boops and having fun and all that kind of stuff. So Motion Student Conference is gonna be a life-changing event for your kids. Get them there, all right? Let's get into the word today. We're gonna wrap up the What's Next series We've been looking at this passage of scripture all throughout, really ever since Easter weekend, that says if people can't see what God is doing, 
It's very important that you have clarity about what God wants for your life. This whole series is built on the idea, really our whole church is built on the idea that 100% of humanity is on a spiritual journey. And you need clarity about what the next step is on your journey. You gotta know, you gotta know what God wants for you. If you don't, you're gonna stumble all over yourself. But when we get the clarity we need and we attend to what God is doing, then we are most what, everybody? Blessed, and I reiterated last week, blessed doesn't mean I get whatever I want. It means I live my life with God's hand and his anointing and his favor on my life. And um, man, life's just better when God's got it in, under control for you. And we're all on a spiritual journey, we want you to have clarity. Psalm 1611, another passage we've looked at over the last several weeks, you'll show me the way of life, he'll show you. He'll give you your next step, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. And we believe on this spiritual journey that you're on, there are four big steps. In between those are a lot of little steps. And we've been going through them backwards in the series. So we started week one with this idea of making a difference. But here are the four steps, and this is the one we're gonna talk about today. Everything starts with knowing God, having a healthy, vibrant relationship with Jesus so that you can find freedom. Get free from your past. We talked about this last week, how the power of the cross, Jesus bought freedom for us. Come on, how many thankful he bought freedom for your body, freedom for your mind, freedom from your past, and freedom for your heart? Aren't you thankful for the work that Jesus did for each and every one of us on the cross? That's what the blood of Jesus does. We also need to discover our purpose, like, God, why am I here? What do you wanna do with my life? What am, what am I supposed to be doing? And once you have that, this is where Pastor Chris kicked us off several weeks ago, you can make a difference. And we actually think this is the highest level of Christian living there is. Like this is the best version of your life. It's why we named the church True Life. Like when you connect all these things together, we think that's true living. To be a person who now my life isn't about me, it's about doing what God has asked me to do and him using my life to make a difference in the life of others. So today, after we've talked about all of these, we're kind of coming full circle to where we started this uh, kind of Easter weekend. It really wasn't a part of the series, but we kind of kicked this off Easter weekend, this idea of knowing God, finding freedom, discovering purpose, making a difference. And so today I want to talk to you about that, that foundational piece, knowing God and having relationship with him. In fact, I want to frame it a little bit differently today. It's it's the same thing I was talking to you about on Easter weekend, but I wanna be a little more direct with a question that I want you to wrestle with the tension of today. I really want you to think about it and I want you to try to answer it. And I, here's the question. Am I experiencing God through the lens of relationship or religion? Am I experiencing God through the lens of relationship or religion? And religion is all about doing enough to earn God's love, checking everything on the list. So, some of us are even attending church today because you're thinking, man, if I attend church enough, maybe God will get happy with me again and he'll start doing things in my life. And I want to tell you something, attending church is great. It's a great place to learn his word and hear what God is doing and be a part of a spiritual family together. But if you're attending church today to get God's approval, you don't need to do that. You already have it because of the cross that we talked about last week. You already have God's approval. Say amen if you're with me so far. Am I experiencing God through relationship or religion? I wanna throw it back again to Easter Sunday where we've had this passage and Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That's, that's, that's kind of a problem, right? 
but only the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Like, hey, God, didn't, did we, we went to church, we gave some money, we sang the songs, we know all the Christian stuff to do. We, we, like, I know how to be Christian-y. That's not enough? And Jesus says, no, it's not enough. I'll tell him plainly, I never knew you. That knew is the word gnosko. In the Greek, it literally means we're doing life like this. We have intimate relationship with each other. We're, we're doing life together. It's an, it describes an intimate relationship, an intimate friendship. And Jesus says, I don't need you to do all the christian things. I need to know you. We gotta, we gotta be in friendship. We gotta be in relationship together. Otherwise, away from me, you evildoers. And I shared with you three symptoms that you might be experiencing if you're living life in religion instead of relationship. The first one is you're increasingly feeling a sense of powerlessness. Like I, I, I just, nothing works. Everything's out of my control. It doesn't really matter what I do. You're, you're feeling frustration because you're trying to do better and you're trying to work harder and things just aren't changing. And so eventually what you do is you find yourself envious of everybody else who seems like they have it together. Why is everybody else experiencing God? Why is everybody else getting blessing? Why? Why is that person in church able to go worship and it looks so real and authentic and then I don't even, I'm not even sure I want to be there. These are all symptoms that you might be experiencing God through the lens of religion instead of relationship. And I've been doing ministry now really my entire adult life in some way, shape, or form. I graduated high school, went straight into ministry training, went into internships. I had one like year and a half stint as an adult. Uh, where I wasn't working, it was a little longer than that, as an adult where I wasn't working in a church vocationally, but was always still involved. And I, I, I just spent some time kind of thinking through that all of the time I've spent counseling people, meeting with people, talking with people, what are, what are some of the things that I've seen manifest in their life uh, when they're living out of religion versus living out of relationship? And I, I just kind of want to do a little comparison of that today I want to go beyond the symptoms, and I want to talk about like the results of living your life in religion versus relationship. And if you live your life out of religion, if you come to God through the lens of, I have to do enough, work hard enough, attend church enough, give enough, check all the boxes off the list, let me tell you where that ultimately leads you. It, it's going to lead you to be a person who's full of fear. I've had so many conversations with people through the years where they say things like, I, I, I don't want to make the wrong decision because I don't want God to be mad at me. I, I don't want God to punish me. I, I, don't, I, don't, want to, I don't want to mess up because I don't want to lose out on God caring about me and loving me. And let me, let me just say something to you. I need you to hear this. If we come to God that way, it's doing two things. Number one, it's making you a bigger deal than you actually are. Y'all tracking with me? That means... You have power over your salvation. The cross doesn't have power over your salvation. So if I come to God out of fear-based religion, what I'm actually saying is, hey, all that stuff Jesus did on the cross is not as, it's not as powerful as we said it was. And I, the Bible actually says I don't have to come to God in fear. It actually says that I, I already have his approval because he approves of his son, Jesus. Say amen if you're tracking. All right, it's gonna lead you to fear. It's gonna lead you to shame. You're always going to be worried that somebody's going to find out who you really are. My name is Michael Smith. I pastor True Life Church. I'm also a jacked up sinner. And I don't really care who knows it. 
I have struggles just like you have struggles. The thing that makes me okay is Jesus paid for all my struggles. Jesus set me free from all of my struggles. I'm still figuring out how to live that out, but the work has been done on the cross. Y'all tracking? Religion will lead you to fear, it'll lead you to shame, it'll lead you to guilt. You'll, you'll just constantly be carrying around what you did before. Listen, God doesn't even remember what you did before. He forgot it. He wiped it off of your record. It's not there. Remember when you were growing up in school and you, the teachers, I'm not even sure this was actually a thing, but my teachers in my school would use these words to try to frighten you into good behavior. Hey, this is going to go on your permanent record. Has anybody ever seen their permanent record? Remember, and you'd be like, yes, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. Man, can I tell you, you know what God's permanent record shows? Just shows the cross. Just shows the blood that was shed for you. No need to live in guilt. Here's the one I've struggled with throughout my life. A, a religion-based view of God will lead you to insecurity. A am I Okay. Does God like me? Does anybody else like me? When you look in the mirror, you're going to constantly struggle with what's staring back at you. And I'm just here to tell you, God doesn't want you stuck in a religion-based view of him. He wants relationship with you. And here's where relationship will lead you. Not to a place of fear, it'll lead you to a place of boldness. Paul says we come boldly into the throne room of grace. I don't, I don't have to come to God and go, hey, hey God, I know I just did that thing, but I, can we talk? Is it gonna be okay? Are you gonna, are you gonna lightning bolt me? No, actually, the Bible says when we come to God in, in relationship, we come to him and say, hey God, um, I need your help with that thing I did. I messed it up. Can we, can we work on that? And he goes, yeah, let's go. Let's, let's work on it. We, we get to come to him with boldness. We get to live our life with boldness. We get empowered by the Holy Spirit to live the life that he's called us to live. Come on, y'all. We're not powerless. We actually get empowered by his spirit to live the life we live. We get to live free from our past, free from the shame, free from the guilt, and full of purpose. Like, I can live my life now knowing that there is something God wants me to do, that there's some things he's called me to. He's filled my life with destiny and purpose. I don't know what all of that is yet. I don't know how to execute all of it every single day, but I don't have to live a life of fear and shame and guilt and insecurity. I was made on purpose for a purpose like we talked about several weeks ago. I don't know about y'all, but I would prefer relationship over religion. Anybody else? You've got to know him to experience that. It's not about what you do. Christianity is not a behavior modification program. It's a heart transplant program. He wants to change you from the inside out, not the outside in. What I want to do today is I want to help you with knowing God. I want to help you with that, that how do I get to that gnosko? How, how, do I, how do I get there? And this is... If you're looking at God through religion, today will actually be difficult for you if you can't take that lens away. Because I'm gonna give you practical steps so that you can cultivate a closeness with God. There is nothing you can do to make God love you more. I'm gonna say that again. There is nothing you could do to make God love you more. 
Nothing. But you can build habits into your life that will cultivate closeness with him, that will help you stay close to him. In fact, I wanted to get this right, so I went to the dictionary. To cultivate, it just means to foster the growth of something. So I want to try to give you just some steps that will help you foster the growth of your relationship with Jesus. You, you, need, you got to have practical things that you can do, like, like in the context of a married couple, right? I don't take my wife on dates because there was some list that was written somewhere that said this is what good husbands do. They take their wife on dates, and so if you don't check this box off the list, you're a bad husband. No. I take my wife on dates because I like hanging out with her. Come on, y'all. We, we cultivate a closeness with each other. I know some of you are thinking, well, I don't like hanging out with my spouse. Right, so you need to work on cultivating closeness. We have uh, Pastor Perry on our team. He does great with pastoral counseling. Love to hook you up. We, we need it. We need to cultivate that relationship. So four things you can do to cultivate a closeness with God. And the first one is not going to be a shock to any of you, it's quickly becoming, I think, the theme of 2021 for our church. And if you want to have closeness, relationship, not religion, here's the first thing you can do is try to get in a habit of surrendering to him daily. Surrender to him daily. And immediately as soon as I said that, if some of you are seeing him through the religion lens, you thought like, okay, so every day I need to be like, okay, God, please help me to get it right and don't punish me. That's not what surrender is. Surrender just means saying to my Lord every day, hey, I'd really like today to be what you want. What do you want? Help me get today right. I just want to get today right. Can you help me with that, Lord? And he says, yeah, come on. Let's go. Jesus modeled surrender for us in a beautiful way. Remember we talked about the cross last week, right before the cross, the Bible says he went into that garden and he went on a little farther ahead of his disciples. He fell to the ground and he prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him, that's the cross, might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please, God, if there's any other way. How many of you have had a God if there's any other way moment in your life? Jesus identifies with that. God, if there's any other way, please let this cup of suffering pass through me, yet... Jesus has surrendered. I want your will to be done, not mine. Your will to be done, not mine. And I want to help you with surrender. Um, I know a lot of you who attend True Life, um, like this is your church history. You don't have a previous religious background or church, or maybe your parents took you once or twice when you were a kid, but there, there's, you're, you're developing your faith here and I love that. I love that that's such a big part of our church. That's why God asked us to plant this church. And so I just want to say your being here is exactly why this church is here. Don't ever let the youthfulness of your faith discourage you. You're in the right house. Come on, somebody. Are, y'all, are you okay? I know, like, I know we were having some problems with the coffee machine this morning. But um, are you all okay? You doing all right? Come on. How many know if you're figuring it out, this is the right place to be? Okay. All right. We're warming up. We're getting there. The faster you shout amen, the faster I preach. I'm just saying. All right. 
Jesus models this surrender for us. I, I, I want to help you with this idea of surrender. Um, and I want to show it to you in kind of two, two places that it'll happen in your life. All right? There's what we call salvation or conversion. What I would call your initial moment of surrender. This is the moment where you realized, oh my goodness, I need Jesus. I need a Savior. I need forgiveness for my sins. I want to spend eternity in heaven, not eternity separated from God. And you came to Jesus and you said, Jesus, take over. Become my Lord. I surrender my life to you. Come live in me. Please forgive me of my sins. This is the thing I lead people in a prayer every Sunday at the end of the message. I, I do that really because when I was young, I, I kind of made a deal with God. I said, God, if you'll use my life, I will never get on a platform and not give people an opportunity to know you. So I, like, I have to. I just feel like it's a conviction I have that I have to. Every time I stand here or anywhere, I got to give people an opportunity to come know Jesus. They're, they're, it's, it's what we call it salvation. It's the initial moment of surrender, where I surrender my life to God. And so I want to help some of you with this. I actually had a conversation with a friend about this. It was really fun. And uh, I thought, man, I bet a lot of other people need to hear this too. And, and so listen, so, some of you are getting saved every weekend. And you don't need to. You're saved. Come on, y'all. Because salvation is not about your work, and it's not about your prayer. Salvation is about the cross and Jesus paying the price for your sin. And your salvation can't be misplaced. <laughs> can't, there, there's nothing you can do that diminishes the work of the cross. If you have that much power, we don't need the cross. Are you all tracking with me this morning? All right. Maybe I'll teach on that on one of these First Wednesdays. We'll go. By the way, if you haven't been to First Wednesday yet, you need to come hang. We go deep. It's like Bible study, and, and it's, it's a lot of fun. Come on, where's my First Wednesday crowd at? It's a lot of fun, isn't it? We, so y'all need, some of y'all need to come this Wednesday. All right. So you have salvation. It's your initial moment of surrender, and it establishes relationship with Jesus, all right? Um, I don't get married every weekend. Y'all tracking? We got married once. The rest of my life is learning how to be a husband. Yeah? Okay? Salvation happens once. I spend the rest of my life now learning what the Bible calls, what we call sanctification. This is a theology term. I could actually do a whole series on sanctification. I'm going to give you the one sentence summary for today. It's the process of learning to live a surrendered life. Y'all tracking? All right, so there's, there's two pieces. There's my initial moment of surrender. Then I'm gonna spend the rest of my life learning to live a surrendered life. I can turn my back on this if I want to. I can actually get really crazy and make some terrible decisions. But the door is always open for me to surrender and learn what that looks like. God, I wanna live a surrendered life. Now, I don't wanna get into all the theology of salvation and all that today. There are some scriptural openings for what we would call an apostate, but... We're not going there today, all right? So I'll just leave you hanging with that. That way you have a reason to keep coming to church. Okay. This, this is the process of learning to live a surrendered life. And doing this, by the way, runs completely opposite of our culture and our society. I want to show it to you in Scripture. James 4, 7 says, so humble yourselves before God. I'm less God, you're more. I want to I live a surrendered life. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Come close to God. What are we talking about today? We want to know him. 
want to be close, come close to God, and God will come close, what? To you. Hum, it's, 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 God, I'm gonna, it's not what I want. And here's what our society says. Our society says self-promote, self-soothe. Come on, y'all. Climb the ladder. Get what's yours. I deserve it because I breathe. Because I'm here, I deserve it. I should have it. This should be a human right. Y'all tracking with me this morning? And the Bible says, no, 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 no. This is really not about you getting everything you think you should have. Humble yourself before the Lord and he'll give you everything he thinks you should have. Resist the devil and he'll flee. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Say amen if it's making sense even if you don't like it. Okay, all right. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided. And James isn't putting people on a guilt trip here. He's saying, look, this is what sanctification is. You have this flesh part of you that's always gonna wanna do what you've always done. You're always gonna be pulled back to your old habits. You're always gonna wanna, there's always gonna be a part of you that's drawn towards sin. Your loyalty is divided. But you've made a decision to surrender your life to Jesus, so now there's work to be done. To learn how to, I gotta say no to that and just keep myself surrendered to God and stay humbled before God because I want to be close to him. I want to know him. I want to be in relationship with him. Your loyalty is divided between God and the world. A couple verses later, he follows it up. He says it again. So, so you got to humble yourself before the Lord. And you don't need to climb the ladder. He'll, he'll lift you up in honor. And some of us spend our whole life trying to climb the ladder. And if you would just chill out and live a surrendered life before God, he would just go, bloop. And put you right up there where you were wanting to be all along anyway. Come on, y'all. Say amen. In fact, what I found is you thought you needed to be here, and God actually had a plan to put you there. And when you live a surrendered life, he just goes, it's awesome. So learn every day. Hey, God, I'm not coming to you out of fear or shame or guilt, but I, do, I just want what you want. Would you make it clear to me today what you want? I want to live a surrendered life before you. And when you do that, he'll start showing you what he wants. So your job, step number two, is when he shows you what he wants, go ahead and do it. Obey him daily. He's going he's gonna to bring clarity to your life about what he wants, so just go ahead and follow him. And make it a daily thing. Every day, you know, just if you could set a goal for the next seven days, God, help me every day this week to get a little bit more clarity about what you want and take another step towards what you want. Just make it a daily part of my life to learn how to obey him. And guess what? You're going to mess it up. You're going to blow it. And guess what? It's okay. Because the Bible says his mercies are new every morning. Every morning you get to go, okay, I'm starting over today. I'm going to live a surrendered life. God, show me what you want. And every day, obey him. Luke 6, 46, Jesus says, hey, look, y'all keep calling me God, but what? If you're going to do that, why don't you just go ahead and do what I say? Like, it'll work out better if you'll just do what I say. And I love this because, again, Jesus, he's not hitting people with guilt here. He actually reveals his motivation 
for obedience. I, I need you to get this this morning. God doesn't want obedience from you so he can have control. He's not about control. Watch this. Jesus says, I, I need to show you what this is like. It's like someone who, 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 when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then obeys me, it's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it's well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the flood sweeps down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Listen to me. God doesn't want obedience from you so he can control you. God wants obedience from you so he can protect you from collapse, so that you can stand firm when life and society and culture and everything that could be thrown at you comes at you like a flood, comes at you like a wave. You can stand up and go, you know, so that's all good. I got Jesus. I'm all right. I'm listening to him. I'm following him. I feel like I'm preaching so much better than you're responding this morning. Come on, y'all. He's not, Jesus ain't a micromanager. He just wants you to win. He's a good God. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? So look at this. The, the, how you read this passage right here in this moment can determine if you're, you're, in, the, if you're in religion or relationship. Because Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Pa pa Pastor Chris, who wrote the book, taught me this. And some of us, when we read that passage, we hear, we hear it this way. If you love me, you better. People who love me do what I want. That's how some of us hear that passage. But that's not the character of our God. That's not Jesus. You know, you know what I think Jesus is saying? He's saying, if you love me, I ain't worried about it. I, I, the closer we get, the more you're going to know what I want. And you'll want to do it anyway because you're learning the more you listen to me and the more you do what I tell you, the better your life is. So, so if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Do you see the difference? You see how one feels like, Ugh, I'll never make it. And the other is like, it's fresh air. That wasn't fresh air because I had coffee earlier. But that's why we do this distance thing between me. All right, so if you, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Surrender daily. Obey daily. And then spend, spend time with him daily. And I know our schedules are full, and we've all got lots of commitments that we've made. But I just can't tell you how important it is that you learn to just hang out with Jesus. Just, just spend time with him. He said in John 15, 4, abide in me and I in you. You know what that word abide means? I, I spent some time on this this week. It, it literally means, like this phrase we say as a church, like, hey, let's just do everything together. Let's just do life together. Jesus is saying, I, I, want, I, want, to, I want you to do your life with me and I'm gonna come do life with you. Just let's abide, let's, let's walk together. Let's be together. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Like you're going to wither up and die unless you abide 
in me. That's why Romans 12, 12 says, rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on what? Talk, talking to him, spending time with him. He says, abide in me and I'll abide in you. Um, I'm a big fan of a resource that, well, they told me after the first service, we, our order refresh still hasn't come in, but uh, we like to sell a resource out there called the five love languages. It's for married couples. And it talks about how all of us have five main ways that we receive love and communicate love to others. And so like, like for me, I'm, uh, my number one love language is words of affirmation. So if I love someone, my default is going to be to tell them how much I love them. And if someone wants me to know that they love me, the best way they can express that to me is to give me words. So my, my wife's like, this little joke that we have on a Sunday, if I've done okay up here, after church, she'll be like, hey, you preached really good today. And I'd be like, And she'll just be like, mm-hmm, your tank's filling up, isn't it? And I'm like, yes, it is. Tell me again. I'm, I'm, I'm words of affirmation. And my number two is physical touch. I'm not going to share any details on that with you. All right. Um, in fact, my whole family scores really high on words of affirmation. There's a little quiz you can take. We're actually about to have a new resource out there for you called The Five Love Languages for Kids. So parents, you can do this little quiz with your kids and read this book. And uh, we did this as a family exercise at our dining room table um, like a week ago, maybe two weeks ago. It was really fun. So we did it with our kids. We're learning their love languages. And my son is, is kind of an outlier in our family because all of us are words of affirmation. So he does the quiz and words of affirmation is dead last for him. His number one is quality time. And so he's just eating it up now that he knows this. So like I'm hanging out with him and I'm like, hey buddy, I love you so much. I just want you to know how proud of you I am. You're the most amazing kid ever. And he just goes, words. <laughs> Means nothing to me. <laughs> it's hilarious. He's quality time. He wants to hang out. Let's go camping. Let's go fishing. Let's play Fortnite. Let's just, let's just, Let's have, we need to be shoulder to shoulder, having fun together. That's his deal. My wife scores very high there, and my daughter does too. Listen, y'all, this, Jesus, hey, abide in me. Let's do life together. Can I help you with something? I, I think quality time is one of the Holy Spirit's love languages. He just wants to be with you. He just wants to, God, and I want you to wrap your head around this. The God of the universe likes hanging out with you. Isn't that crazy? That just blows my mind. Especially for, as a kid who worked so hard trying to be accepted and felt so socially awkward most of my life. To think, he wants to hang out with me? does so let him surrender obey and build it into your life somehow to hang I had this yesterday it's easier than you think I am um, side note I this is not prophecy God didn't show me this or anything like that 
but I can pretty much guarantee it's going to rain sometime in the next 24 to 48 hours. The reason I know that is because yesterday I washed my truck. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. This is going to happen. So I, I just I said to my wife, I said, hey, I'd like to go wash the truck. Is that cool? Can I go have a few minutes? So I headed out to the car wash. And on my drive there, I just began to play some worship music and listen to this song called Jira. It's so good. And I'm just driving, Jira, you are enough. You know that one, Carlos? Come on, hurry up, dude. What are you waiting for? And I'm just having a moment. And I got there, and even I'm spraying the wand all over the outside. I'm just having, I'm just hanging out with Jesus. We're just talking. We're just having a conversation. And you can, listen to me, you can cultivate that habit into your life. It starts with some intentional choices. Maybe turn off the, the talk radio or the sports talk or the whatever, whatever you normally. So just look at your habits. What can I tweak and where can I build in time to abide, to hang out? And here's the last one. As you surrender, as you learn to follow, as you spend time, I, I just want to encourage you, don't do all the talking. Learn to listen because he's got something to say to you. In fact, I, I want to tell you, the really good stuff that God has for you, you're not going to get it in church. My job, hopefully, is to inspire you and equip you to figure out how do I go get with Jesus for myself. That's why I hate, I hate the language that's developed in Christian subcultures where we say things like, I can't go to that church because I'm just not getting fed there anymore. And I know what you're saying. I, know, I understand why people say it. I think it's an incredibly immature statement for any believer to make. Because it's not actually my job to feed you. It's my job to show you where to eat. Again, I feel like I'm preaching here and then, come on, y'all. You with me? I'm trying to tell you where to go eat. You just need to go eat. So when you're hanging out with him, don't do all the talking. Learn to listen, because Jesus said, my sheep listen. They, they know my voice. I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they'll never perish. No one can snatch. Hey, nothing that goes on in this life, no choice you make, nothing that happens to you, can snatch you away from that kind of relationship. You want to know him? Surrender daily. Follow, obey daily. Hang out daily. Listen daily. He's talking. He's talking. And the more you do it, the clearer his voice will become. And if you're ever stuck and you're like, I can't hear God, then go to his word. There's literally thousands of pages of stuff he already said. He's always talking. Just listen. Build it into your life daily. And as you do, your closeness to God will get stronger. You can cultivate this in your life. And it's good. And you'll like it, I promise. But heads bowed, eyes closed, if you would, please, as we close. And I told you I would. I made this commitment every time I share. I would give you an opportunity for that initial moment of surrender. 
to come into relationship with Jesus. And if you've never had that moment, now is a great time. Great time. And I'll help you with the words right where you're at, whether it's online, at home, or in your car right now, or here in this auditorium. You can just come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need to know you. I am a sinner. I've made a lot of mistakes. The biggest one is I've been living my life on my own. But today, I surrender my life to you. I make you my Lord and my Savior. I recognize I need forgiveness. I need salvation. I need relationship with you. Please save me. My life belongs to you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed. In just a second, Amanda will be, my wife will be back out here. She'll give you some instructions if you prayed that prayer with us today for the first time. I want to speak to everyone else who's in the room and those who are watching online at home. And I don't always do this, and I don't want you to feel embarrassed or anything anything like that. You don't have to participate in this if it feels strange for you, but why don't we we do this? Why don't we all stand to our feet all across the room, if you would. Keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Stay in this attitude of prayer with me. And I just want to ask you, have you been coming to God through religion or relationships? And if there's any point today where you realize, man, I, I, I need that. I, I need a daily surrender or I need, some, I need to work on some daily obeying or hanging out with Jesus or listening to God. I need to take, I need to take some steps in my spiritual journey that take me away from this religion-based view of God and into a relationship-based view of God. If that's you, nobody looking around. Real quick, would you just wave at me? I'd just like to know that I was preaching to somebody today and it made sense. Okay, yeah, like a whole bunch of us. Awesome. So I want to pray for you. And I'm going to ask God to give you clarity about something you can, something, a step you can take in the next 24 hours to set you up for this life of surrender, obedience, hanging out with Jesus and listening to what he has to say to you. Heavenly Father, you saw those hands you even know the hearts of the ones who needed to raise their hand, but they're just not there yet, and that's okay. Lord, I, I, I know your desire is relationship. To change us from the inside out. And I pray that you would help each and every one today by giving us some clarity. Give us, give us our next step, God. Some of us just need to change what the drive to work looks like tomorrow and be intentional with that time with you. Some of us need to have a conversation with our spouse or our family and figure out how how are we going to carve out time to be with the Lord, to prioritize our walk with you. God, I pray as you give clarity about a next step that each and every one of us would take that step, we would do it, and that we would experience the fullness of life, this life-giving relationship you want us to have with you. I pray it would come like a breath of fresh air to each and every person who needs it today. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray.